Welcome to Women in Chemicals Woman of the Year 2023 Award Ceremony. I'm Amelia. I'm your co-founder and executive director. Kylie, also your co-founder and operations director. And then we're joined today by our very own inaugural Woman of the Year, Prerna Chatterjee, who's the Senior Manager of Sustainability at BASF. Hi, everyone. It's good to be here. And thank you for having me. Awesome to have you here, Prerna, and so excited to hear about the impact that you've had on the industry um, and all the work that you're doing to make our industry a better place. Before jumping into the interview, I want to take a few moments to speak about the purpose of our Woman of the Year Award. Woman of the Year is an initiative that's dedicated to acknowledging the extraordinary women who have both personally excelled and paved the way for others in the chemical industry. Woman of the Year is meant to be more than just an accolade. It's a symbol of commitment, mentorship, and advocacy. It's about honoring the individuals who go above and beyond to invest in the retention and future growth of women in the chemical industry. These are the women who inspire change, advocate for others, and make a substantial impact on the industry they are part of and the communities they touch. This year, we had the honor of recognizing our three finalists, Prerna, Clarice Phelps, and Marilyn Johnson. If you hadn't had a chance to read their stories yet, I encourage you to head over to our website to learn more about these amazing women and the impact that they're making. Something that makes this award incredibly special is that the winner is selected by you, our community. We had over 3,000 votes submitted by our community in deciding on Prerna as our Woman of the Year this year. Through this award, Women in Chemicals aims to continue to shine a spotlight on the women who have not only excelled in their careers, but dedicate themselves to breaking barriers, fostering inclusivity, and leaving an indelible mark on the industry they love. So with that, happy to turn it over to Kylie and learn more about the work that Prairie is doing in the industry. Thank you for that. Uh kind of level setting and groundwork here, Amelia, for how important this conversation today is and how special it is to have the honor to interview you, Prerna. So um, Prerna, we want to offer up the opportunity for you to introduce yourself to those listening in to our community. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey so far, your journey into the industry and how you got into your current role with BASF today? Absolutely. Um, so by background, I'm a mechanical engineer. Um, but right after I graduated high school, I remember an advice that my father gave me was make sure you are in the field of the future. So, so you know, I was always wondering what the future is going to be like. And back then it was more around energy and energy management because sustainability wasn't really a word back then. And that's why I did my engineering in mechanical and energy background. Um, with that, my first job was in Germany in a country where people are living and breathing sustainability. So I was seeing it live happening, not only in a company level, but also on a daily basis. And it is in Germany where I realized that this is my calling and this is what I wanna pursue. And that's when I did my master's in sustainability management from Columbia University. And I moved to the US. And soon after that, I interned with Dow Chemical so that's where I first entered the chemical space and I um, did some of the life cycle assessments 
for their products. And um, that is how finally I ended up with BASF. Um, in BASF, I've been in different sustainability roles throughout the last eight years. I started my career with the corporate sustainability team and um, then quickly graduated to the business side uh, working for care chemicals division. So the division that creates uh, chemistries that goes into shampoos, your personal care products, your home care products and so on. Um, and even within this role, I moved to Germany on a short delegation and back. So it's been a fun ride um, throughout and even with BASF. Absolutely. So Perna, you talked a little bit about how you've made a couple of pivots throughout your career. And I also think that we'll dig into this a lot more throughout the rest of our interview, but we want to highlight how much you're doing not only within your current role, within your professional career, but you've got a lot of personal motivations that have been highlighted throughout this um, application process and your nomination process for Women of the Year. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what motivates you to do more and make a, you know, such a tremendous impact within the industry? And then at what point did you know that this passion of yours is just going to go far beyond just your day-to-day -day role? I think um, what I realized very early on that my currency is impact be it through what I do at work or be it through what I do on a personal basis, what what reward I get out of my actions is the impact, be it on the planet, be it on the people. Um, and that is very fulfilling for me, you know. So I don't see my impact actions should like restrict myself to an eight to five work hour or anything like that. So I think the fact that it's personal, it was always personal. I think... Um, it's only during the pandemic, I feel, when I had a little extra bandwidth. That's where I think a lot of the digital platforms that I launched, be it on YouTube and Instagram, kind of took shape. Impact, uh, like I said, I, I I sleep well better if I know I've generated impact, be it through work or be it through my personal activities. And I think the only thing that binds us is time. So every time I feel there's a little bit more time at hand, I try to make sure it's used more purposefully to generate more impact, be it through digital platforms, educating folks around topics that I'm passionate about, or be it helping um, or mentoring other um, women around um, the chemical field or even otherwise in the STEM programs. I think that's great, Prana, that you are super intentional about how you use your time. So you mentioned that you know, if you've got any free time, you apply it to your passions and to help connecting others within uh, the industry or elsewhere to uh, make the best use of your time. And that's just so admirable. And I think that that speaks to all the success that you've had, which we're really excited to share with our community. Um, Amelia, do you have any comments to add? Yeah, so I actually want to acknowledge because I think I'm a little similar where I Anytime when you talked about in the pandemic, you had a little more bandwidth. I felt the same way. And that's actually how women in chemicals came to be because I just had a, like a little more creative energy and, and time to just ruminate on ways that, you know, we could be more purposeful in making connections of women in the industry. But I also noticed that sometimes I feel like I can be a little bit too purpose driven and exhaust myself. Do you ever find that where you're 
finding yourself being a little bit too focused and giving yourself a lack of rest? And how do you make sure that you're taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, your loved ones, your job, while also, you know, still trying to be as impactful as possible? I think you are so right. It is exhausting. It is exhausting because we are constantly using our brains at work and even outside of work. And sometimes I would say that even for a simple video, you might see only a 10 minute video on YouTube, but being a single woman show that's running it, you research it, you edit it, you make it, you know, entertainment worthy so that people listen to it and you shoot it. And it's just, an, it's, it kind of is a four month project for a single video. You know, it, it, it does take that much time. I think it is important to take a step back sometimes and um, it is important to kind of also dedicate time towards your passion so i would say that some for example i have friday evenings dedicated for a passion work of mine i know i will not be doing anything on sundays so that one day is the me day is the rest time um even if my brain wants me to be more purposeful driven and say that you have time let's go let's finish this work I think it is important to consciously take a step back and give yourself that rest that is needed um, on that one day at least. Um, and what I think has worked for me is also to treat passion like work, you know, to also allocate time for it, to set up standard meetings, even if it's just with yourself. Uh, and even if it's a research that you want to do, just set yourself those two hours and limit yourself those two hours because if we are productive at work, we will also be productive um, in a work-like atmosphere when we adapt that for our passions as well. And um, I just also want to take this moment to say that I think Women in Chemicals, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Um, happy to also learn that this is also another pandemic baby, but it's something that was so necessary. And it's really helping a lot of women out there and helping us connect with each other. So I think kudos to you guys as well for that. Thank you so much for that. Um, Prerna, we've alluded to the fact that you have your hands full. You have created such a large impact. And I want to kind of uh, dissect us some of those actual initiatives for a second here. So I uh, want to introduce kind of this next topic of discussion by acknowledging some of your impressive list of accomplishments so far. So uh, wanting to dig in maybe more focused on your sustainability initiatives. Um, so we've learned and we've heard about your YouTube channel. Uh, to make sustainability easier to understand. We've learned that you're the voice of sustainable palm oil in the North American chemical industry, that you work with farmers, and that you created the first digital tool on clean beauty, among many others. So wanting to um, ask you maybe if you can share more about your work with these initiatives, if there's um, a couple you want to highlight or anything uh, exciting that's occurring in any of these spaces, we want to hear all about them from you. Um, and then any information you're willing to share about why these started and what impact these have had um, so far since you've created these. Absolutely. So I'll take it point wise. Um, the YouTube, I think, came across because um, wanting to educate people more. I've also seen that sustainability has different definitions. It has a different language from different firms, different individuals. Um, so how do we take a complex topic uh, of sustainability in a particular industry and make it really easy 
I strongly feel that if we cannot explain a concept to a six-year-old, um, then we haven't done a good job in explaining it, right? Or even understanding it. Um, so that is what I truly try. So that that's where um, the YouTube um, comes in. Um, as far as sustainable palm oil um, work is concerned, I think this is something I learned on my job. This is something that BASF has been involved in for uh, many years. And we do have a lot of palm experts as well. Um, and it's very important that we understand the supply chain of sustainable palm oil and how it impacts all of us and how big and how complex it is. Um, so I was very happy to be a part of a movement in BASF where we actually converted and completely shifted to 100% sustainable palm oil already in 2018 for our personal care portfolio. And it is at that point I realized that by doing this shift and the amount of ripple effect it even has on our customers because they shifted with us. And I was at a point where I could see the entire industry just take this massive step towards sustainable palm oil. So this project actually gave me an understanding of scalability um, when you actually work with companies and on certain topics. And it also gave me the belief that we can create change movement and we can achieve them. So that is why um, really attached to the sustainable palm projects and the work there. About um, the clean beauty tool, it's called the Ingredient Insider. Um, this was also another baby project of mine. Um, and I think this came about being because of a market need. When we study the market, when we see the, when we do market intel and identify a potential gap, a gap that uh, customers um, are not finding the right kind of information. And when we basically address a customer question, the uptake that we have in these activities is massive. And I'm very happy to also share that when it was launched, it was one of um, the most successful uh, web pages on BSF's website, and it was the most visited one as well for a bit. So that just shows that how successful these tools are when you actually take the time and address a market need. So that was a learning that I had from um, the Clean Beauty or the Ingredient Insider tool as well. Absolutely. So I have a follow-up question more on the palm oil change that you kind of shared that your learning was that sustainable change in the industry is scalable. And I think that that was an opportunity where that reassured that that is um, something that's attainable. I'd be curious to understand, Perno, what were the biggest challenges or hoops to jump through throughout that scalability um, and how you overcame some of those? I think um, it's always the understanding about, it's always trying to see, will the industry move with you or not? If you as one company decide that we're going to do this 100%, there's always a question, are the customers willing to pay for it? Are they going to um, you know, buy this uh, particular sustainable product, obviously? Um, so there was this understanding, there was a lot of back and forth trying to understand whether we are doing the right move or not. But when, again, we did a market, analysis and understanding of our customers' goals, we realized that almost everybody out there who's dealing with the palm oil supply chain has a 2025 and back then or at least a 2020 um, goal um, to kind of uh, move towards sustainable palm in their supply chain. 
And then we realized that we positioned ourselves as a supplier who is helping customers achieve their sustainability goals. So it's about how you position yourself as well and make sure that you align your goals with your customers in order to be able to make an industry impact like that. Um, so yes, there was a lot of back and forth. Yes, there was a lot of hurdle in trying to understand will the market move with us or not. Um, and you also have to have a lot of offline meetings with your customers beforehand before you make this public commitment to try and understand whether there is a willingness or a business intent. And once you get that, I think that's easier to make the move. Like a, a skill in influence, for sure, not only for yourself, but as the working group that achieved some of this change. So um, would be... I'm excited to maybe dig into more of that skill of influence um, and how that has impacted your career and your personal journey as well as we continue throughout the interview. But before I move to the next kind of topic to discuss, uh, which will be mentorship prayer, and I just want to open the floor to see, Amelia, if you have any other questions or comments to add. Thanks, Kylie. Yeah, so it's super interesting to hear about some of the work going on inside BSF. And I know you know, BSF is a market leader and well known for being kind of on the forefront of these sustainability initiatives. Um, and I know they have very, very ambitious goals for carbon neutrality. Um, and I think it's really important for the industry to see an organization like BSF, you know, say that they have these ambitious goals and move toward them. One thing I think the chemical industry is not great at is marketing. So, and this is the industry as a whole. So just speaking on my own experience, when I say I work in chemicals, people automatically think that it's negative for the environment, negative. that we're selling greenhouse gases, or they think of some of the previous contamination issues from various companies. So how is BASF, um, and and some of your work how are you aiming to address that and i'm just thinking about this because i recently saw the apple commercial the mother nature thing and i thought that was a really interesting and good way to talk to your external stakeholders so what's some of the work that we as an industry can do to reverse some of these negative connotations and help show that we really are an industry that has sustainability at the forefront and that we are doing all this very important work towards carbon neutrality, towards having sustainable supply chains, et cetera. Absolutely. I think um, any science-based company is, you know, we're, we're mostly engineers and scientists and predominantly uh, coming from this background. We need to be better communicators. You know, the amount of uh, time we invest in being a good problem solver and you know, trying to do the right thing, we're not putting that much effort in communicating. And maybe that's why we maybe it's because we're not good at it, or but I think this is where we need to do better. And this is where we need to learn from um, non-engineers or marketing professionals exactly how do we get this skill and how can we do better out here? So I do agree that this is an industry-wide problem, but I think uh, we are trying to do our best. We are trying to be as informative as possible, as transparent as possible 
through our websites, through kind of promoting on social media, on LinkedIn platforms. Now with LinkedIn now kind of being the main area where you're able to promote about your activities that you do at work. Um, but is it enough? I'm not sure, right? So I think there's definitely room for improvement. Um, maybe about the, maybe going back on the Palm topic, I know that every year we release something like a Palm progress report. You know, just like how every year you have an annual report, you have a sustainability report that every company does. So for Palm, we have something that's very specific. Um, again, here's where we are trying to share the report with the industry where we are writing about a success. So I think I was just sharing that in, as an example of how we are trying to do our uh, best and trying to be more transparent about a particular topic. Um, but I think definitely as an industry, we probably need to do better. Um, and I also feel that maybe this is the right time. I feel that consumers are now, they are Googling what a particular ingredient is doing in their bottle, right? They are understanding that chemicals doesn't mean, you know, they don't need to feel afraid of any chemicals that's there in their products. I think they are Googling ingredients names. I think folks who are not in the chemical industry, we talk about, oh, are you using niacinamide or are you using retinol? And, you know, they're very uh, colloquial with these um, terms as well. So I think the consumer is also now open-minded and trying to understand what this chemistry and chemical terms mean. And I think that is also the reason why the clean beauty became a trend. Before it was all about natural and bio-based and all of those kind of things. And because now the consumer is understanding what magic chemistry brings to the products, um, I think that's why now that's the reason why um, clean beauty also is, um, became a very big hit in 2019 as well, right? So I think this is maybe the maybe the consumers were not ready earlier, but right now they are, mm -hmm. and, and I don't think we are too late. And I think we all can still do better to educate um, the consumers on the, the magic of chemistry. I guess. Yeah, I love this idea behind the trend that our consumers are curious right now, right? So let's take advantage of the fact that they want to know more and create that visibility and the the opportunity to provide that information. I think that that's a great learning and a takeaway from some of that commentary. Uh, so Prerna, we also want to acknowledge some of the work that you are, are doing on empowering women. Um, so we are aware that you are a mentor to women in engineering degrees in India and would love to learn a little bit more about how you got involved with this activity um, and what you think are the most important skills and les lessons that young women um, seeking mentorship might look for. So in your experience and speaking with these um, young women, uh, what kind of skills are they looking for? What, what kind of information are they looking for from you as their mentor? Yeah, thank you. I think um, when it comes to what kind of skills Again, one thing I say is communication. Um, I tell them to never underestimate the importance of good communication skills, be it verbal or written. A lot of the problems are actually just solved through um, good communication. And I think um, we were also on that topic right now. So that's one thing I definitely do advise um, the women or the young girls coming into the STEM field is that don't underestimate the power of communication. Um, the next thing that I um, also advise them on is um, to improve their negotiation skills. I do feel that as women, I think we do need to improve 
um, our negotiating skills and we do need it much more often. And negotiation doesn't only mean to negotiate for a higher salary, it also means negotiating what kind of projects do you want to do? What kind of projects at work are you passionate about? Um, and negotiating in terms of what kind of impact you want to generate and making yourself and making sure you negotiate with the firm to give you those resources for that, right? Um, that's also something that we see is very important. And being in a field that's not women dominated, right? Um, I've also seen uh, some questions come around, all right, you know, um, should we start behaving or, you know, learning a lot from the men, you know, should we kind of, uh, maybe that's going to make us more acceptable. And this is something I absolutely uh, don't agree completely. We need to learn from the men. Yes, of course, we learn from each other, take in the good aspects, but don't diminish your feminine energy, right? Um, this is what makes us special. This is what makes, this is our strength. Our strength is our EQ. Our strength is that we understand the situation better. We understand the room better. We understand people better. And to bring this to your job and bring this to, um, you know, the platform that you're working on as well. So I think these are some key aspects that I make sure that uh, I give advice to them on this and the confidence that um, they can strive forward. Um, yeah. God, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to follow up on the EQ comment. No, I just realized you had a part A to the question, which is how I got involved um, yeah. in this. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was a realization that I had when I was in engineering because I was only we were only three girls in a class of 300 boys in mechanical. And it's already I saw over there that, you know, things weren't equal. And I felt that oh, women need an equal representation even in engineering fields because we are 50% of the population. And how are we expecting engineers to solve these industry world problems if it's not being represented uh, by half of the population? So I think the understanding, the realization happened a long time ago. Um, but it's only after graduating and working and giving guest lectures at different universities, connecting with girl students there, and uh, that's when I real that's when I it truly kicked off. And also every time I go back to India, there are these conferences. There's a conference called ChemCon, which is actually um, the largest chemical conference in India, where all your chemical scientists and students, they all kind of come together under one roof for a few days. And I think going to that conference has actually given me the scale at which I'm able to uh, meet with more students uh, from different universities coming in together and giving us the opportunity to mingle and share thoughts and ideas and learning from the next generation, of course. Yeah, that's great. It's interesting that you uh, observed this right from you know, your education, you you notice the gap right from the get go. And I think I just want to circle back to why women in chemicals exists in the first place and some of our key initiatives that focus on that gap, right? And I think all that we're 
wanting to do at the heart of it is create this awareness and visibility for women that the industry is approachable, that you are capable, that you have the resources to be able to uh, be welcomed into into this industry. So I think um, just want to close the loop on that, Prerna, that your work completely and deserves the acknowledgement um, and fully aligns with what we're doing here. So I, I think you've truly solidified what it means to be a woman of the year just by some of these comments. So it's great to hear your story. Absolutely. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, so Prerna, I'd be curious to understand from you what you believe to be maybe one of your greatest accomplishments uh, and what you're most proud of to date uh, and why that might be so. I think uh, one of my uh, most proudest accomplishment is actually a most recent one um, is where um, I was the project lead for a project which helped us establish the world's first sustainable castor oil program. And the reason why um, I'm very proud of this is because we started from ground zero. Uh, and when I say ground zero, I mean, there was no understanding of um, the supply chain did not exist before sustainable caster supply chain, sustainable um, caster supply chain. So first it was, how do we have an organizational body? What kind of rules are needed? Um, who's going to audit it? You have to train the auditors to audit it and work with 5,000 farmers in Gujarat and India, um, trying to get them certified, um, convince them that this is in their benefit and this is gonna improve their livelihood. Um, so right from farmer to production, working internally, making the movements and making the changes with our regulatory team, with our production team, uh, with our product managers, and ultimately bringing the product and making the first sale to a customer and seeing it on the shelf in a retailer's um, store. I think that just uh, was extremely fulfilling because I knew the entire supply chain and the backbone of how it came about. Um, so I think, although it was in a small scale, um, you know, the initial pilot project or the first step, but that again, gave me the confidence that if you tell me, all right, what's the next thing that we need to make sure is sustainable? You know, we're, we know palm oil, there is a way that it works out. Castor oil, there is a way that it works out. And I feel that you can give any other crop right now and we will be able to figure out a way that ensures that we're, you know, that's harvested and supplied in a sustainable manner. Um, so having worked through the farmers and internally as well, navigating the system and making a sale, the marketing pitch. Um, so that complete round picture, I think um, I'm most proud of. And it takes a team and it takes a village to make something like that happen. So everybody worked hard for it and it was, uh, it was great. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, Amelia, I'll, Definitely make sure you have space to ask any follow-ups, but the follow-up I have for now is um, we talk about the importance of communication. So specific to this example, to make this visible across the supply chain, but also to the consumers, like what are you focusing on in terms of making that this, this new sustainable supply chain well-known? How are you communicating that out and creating the visibility that it deserves? I think storytelling is a very uh, big aspect I think bringing the stories, the farmer stories, you know, we have videos on our website um, that talks about um, the women farmers in the in India 
and how this program supported them and how it's supporting their daughter's education, right? So I think when you bring in those kind of stories to your customers, it's um, already uh, very fulfilling. And it's an, it's an easier sell in those kind of cases. Um, so again, the importance of education, and I think from what the theme is, is like, looks like videos are working great, right? When you're hearing directly from the farmers, uh, when you're directly hearing by Apple's example from Mother Earth, right? Um, I think those are the ones that folks are connecting to better. Maybe that's a takeaway from this discussion that maybe we need to make uh, information more consumable and that's what videos help us do. I think it goes back to some of what the intent behind your YouTube channel was, right? So you want you talked about how communicating what sustainability means at like a six six year old or sixth grade level is so important to kind of simplify the message so that it is palatable for your consumers, right? So I really love this concept of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amelia, any comments? Yeah, thank you, Kylie. So I went to business school, um, finished last year, but something that we talked about a lot, and it really wasn't something that I thought about until I was in business school, was what is the role of business in the world? Is it to create profitability? Is it to create jobs? Is it to create products? Like what stakeholders are we most um really indebted to when we're running a business, when we're part of a business, when we're employed by a business. And your example of what you're most proud of um, with your sustainable castor oil supply chain really, I think, hits on one of the key components of what the role of a business is. And that's to make the world a better place for all stakeholders. And I think mm -hmm. if BASF hadn't gone and done this project and this proof of concept, it might've been, you know, another 10, 15 years before we had gone to identify a sustainable castor oil supply chain. And would that have been more consumer driven or would that have been driven by farmers? I think having businesses of this size and with these resources, using the resources to dedicate to making either, you know, net zero impact on our environment or net positive impact on our environment, even when it is more expensive, is really inspiring and something that we quite frankly need to see more in business. And I think climate change with all of the natural disasters that we've seen from, you know, weather perspective has come more to the forefront of the average person's mind. But I don't think we necessarily know how we on an individual or business level can implement to affect change. So hearing about this project, it makes me really inspired and really proud of the industry that we're in. And you should feel so proud of yourself, Brenna, because you know that you're tangibly affecting change on our world. So I'm thank you for sharing that. I'm so honored to be able to sit here with you today and be able to recognize you as our woman of the year. But yeah. Amelia, thank you so much for um, such nice words. Um, it's truly touching. And I, I feel that this is why I, I really love the chemical industry, because I feel that we are at the heart of um, change, right? We are able to generate these changes right up in the supply chain, right? We are so up in the supply chain for any industry, 
not just for personal care, but for any industry, if we are able to make the tweaks, we are actually able to see the ripple effects that it has um, downstream as well. And I think it's a great place to uh, be here if you want to be a change maker um, and if you want to truly see an impact and make an impact, I think this is a phenomenal industry to be in. So kudos to that point as well, Amelia. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, like you said, we touch every step of the supply chain within the industry um, with what we play for. So there is just a monumental opportunity to continue to be pivotal and change. So on that topic a little bit, um, Prerna, challenging the status quo is often needed to be a catalyst for change and growth. However, it can also be really difficult and uncomfortable to do, right? Um, let alone to do it successfully. Um, one of the quotes from your uh, many nomination notes uh, state this. She wielded her voice with poise and purpose, gracefully provoking the status quo and challenging the conventional practices that hindered progress. Where do you, Prerna, think that you get your ability to challenge that status quo so well and advocate for change? And if you have any advice to share to those listening in or our community, um, please do share how you might recommend to those to challenge the status quo themselves. I think um, how how I developed a voice for it is honestly by seeing um, when you experience some level of inequality or injustice happening to people or the planet, right? You do feel like um, you need to speak up. And um, you don't speak up in the first instance, maybe. Um, but it does take a couple of recurring um, events such as this to kind of realize that, you know, enough is enough and it's time to speak up. Um, and I feel very strongly for people who are inhabitants of the planet, of course, and for the planet as well. So injustice on the planet, be it for any climate disasters or activities and so on, um, that it's time that we really um, speak up. So I think that is where my strong motivation comes from is seeing when something like this um, takes place. Um, for example, I can share a small example. Um, and I think that was a turning point in my life where I was representing BASF at an industry event. And it, it wasn't an event, it was a meeting, an industry meeting. We were like 25 people in a round table I was the only woman and I, and I was the only person of color as well. And it was a U table. And, um, you know, otherwise, before this, you know, I've read these women books like Lean, Lean In and, you know, very pumped up, um, always reading uh, bio books of uh, autobiographies by women leaders. And I thought I have everything fine, but I walk into this uh, meeting and uh, there's only place for 24 people and not 25 people. And guess who decides that who, who's the one person who's gonna not get a seat at the table, right? And very conveniently, it was my name that was picked and I was asked to sit um, you know, by the wall and not at the table. And I think I was also much younger then and I didn't really, I didn't stand up for myself at that point because I was just too, I was just too um, shocked at what was happening. And I'm also rep I'm a, I'm representing a member company. I have an equal voice in the room. And uh, so why should I not have a seat at the table? 
And then I it then it struck me that what I've been reading is not a metaphor, you know, have a seat at the table. I actually needed to have a seat at the table, right? So that when something like that happened, I think it was just like you realize something is definitely wrong in the room. And the fact that I didn't speak up and nobody else spoke up either. I think that was the last day that I kept quiet of, for any injustice that's happening to me or to anyone around me. And when a few of these kind of incidences happen, I think you're like, that's it. We have to use our voice for the better and we have to stand up for ourselves and for others in the room as well. Um, so that's where I think the strong motivation and purpose comes from. Um, the second question was, what advice? Do we have, can you repeat the question, please? Sorry. Of course, yeah. So what advice for those listening in do you have for those that are looking to be confident in challenging the status quo or the norm in those tough situations? Yeah, so um, one thing for sure, and as much as some situations like this can be frustrating and we can get angry and it can be aggressive, but these emotions never work. And we always have to address and challenge the status quo uh, by compassion, by empathy, by, um, and oftentimes, suppose even if it's a project you want to do, but you're not getting um, your stakeholders on board for it, I think um, it's okay to first acknowledge that there can be non-believers in your vision, there can be non-believers in your goal as well, and that's fine. Um, if you're not able to convince them and get them onboarded on your idea, I think it's okay to befriend them. You know, I think the personal touch is very important. It's important to be friends with the non-believers and then try and understand their perspective and see how you can ki kind of come to a middle ground. Yes, it sounds, the path sounds long and it sounds um, idealistic, but I feel any change that you want to make and if you want to take more people with you and if you want to do more impactful activities, it is important that we do communicate it politely with compassion and with care, even though in, in our heart we might be so frustrated about it. But it's important that uh, we understand others as well and um, try to make sure they're able to ride the wave with us. So challenge the status quo, please do but not aggressively, uh, but with more compassion. So just a follow-up, I think, to both those questions. Um, so when you were telling the story about literally not having a seat at the table, like I could feel myself getting spun up about like, how does this still happen? How did nobody else in the room think that this is a problem or speak up? So with the advice that you just gave us, if you could be the Prerna of today who has had all these many accomplishments and has really felt like she found her voice, if this happened to you today, what, or if you could go back, what do you wish you would have done or how would you have handled it now? I would have definitely said that I request if everyone can just move two inches, I think we can find enough space for my chair to fit in and uh, would have made everyone just move just maybe a little inch. They don't even have to get up. Um, it's a little inconvenience uh, to be more inclusive of the person in the room. Um, so I think I should have definitely done that or today I would definitely do it. Yeah, and that hits really on kind of on all your points. Be compassionate, be kind, but speak up. And I can tell you, you're way more graceful than me. <laughs> 
That's a really uh, impactful story, Prana. Thanks for sharing. I do want to turn a little bit um, with the the last couple, 10 or 15 minutes we have to talk a little bit about specifically Women of the Year uh, and and how it's impacted you, how you think it will impact the industry, things like that. So firstly, Prana, can you tell us what Women in Chemicals, Women of the Year, the title, uh, the inaugural title, uh, what does that mean to you? I think I feel that it honestly means the world. It is such a prestigious honor to get, and thank you so much for that. I feel a tremendous sense of strong backing for my voice. I feel I can be heard more right now. I feel an immense sense of purpose um, and a strong drive to fulfill it. Um, to, to Amelia's point earlier, it can be exhausting, right? If you're constantly purposeful, but uh, recognitions like this actually motivates us even more to not get exhausted and keep going that we can do it. So that's something definitely that I feel I've gotten from this uh, award. But apart from that, what I've tangibly also got, and I have to tell you, is I feel I'm connected to the women of the world. Because right after the recognition, the number of women who reached out to me from all continents, um, that was overwhelming. And the fact that, and I've already had calls with folks I didn't know, I've connected with them. I've connected with women leaders in Africa, asking how they can be involved. Um, in the Women in Chemicals program and how they can be included as well. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful um, experience. And um, initially, maybe I was connected to the women, maybe some in Germany, a lot in India and a lot in America, but not to the rest of the world. And I feel that Women in Chemicals has given me um, that opening as well. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been phenomenal. So um, thank you so much for that. Thank you. It's so I have goosebumps just hearing the the impact that has globally been reached based on this news. So I know that we've um, reiterated this a lot, but Prerna, your impact is tremendous, and I like it. Just it means that it means the world that Women in Chemicals is able to create a space to recognize that. But like you said, to bring women around the world together. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing some of that. I didn't know some of that. So that's just terrific. Um, it is so terrific. I have to share the story with you. Um, my LinkedIn, it hung the day, the day the announcement went live. I was not able, I just saw the announcement, but I was not able to do anything on my LinkedIn because with the number of likes and comments and messages coming in, I think LinkedIn couldn't handle it. So you know, I had to like off down, like you know, delete the app and reinstall it. But it took good like a few five, six hours before I could even like my own post, you know. Oh my gosh. So it was uh, that that was the kind of impact uh, that came through on that day. So just well, it just reiterates things. how impactful your voice is, Prerna. So please, you know, hold on to that and, and continue to do what you've been doing with that voice. So that's just so great to see. A um, couple other questions for you, Prerna. Um, this is more industry-wide. Um, would be curious to learn from you what aspirations you have for the future impact that you might have, that we might have, that women in chemicals might have on the industry. What aspirations do you have? 
So I have one aspiration for the people and one aspiration that we as an industry can do for the planet. So for the people, I think having interacted so much with Gen Zs and college kids, I feel that they are very interested in the startup world. You know, everybody wants to work in a startup and I just see them drifting into the AI and computer science and the digital uh, world aspects, which is fine and it's great. But I think as an industry, maybe we need to promote chemical startups a little bit more and make sure that that's also uh, prevalent to the Gen Z and the next generation that we do have a lot of chemical startups. We're just not talking much about them. or They're just not as much uh, as well known. Um, and at the same time, so I think we need to get more chemical startups out there and we need to, again, focus more on women grant chemical startups as well. Right. Um, and bring them to the forefront um, because startups, for some reason, is now synonymous with AI and, you know, digital companies or companies creating apps and so on. Um, but not the ones, uh, not the lab based um, startups as well. So I think that's something I truly want to see that change in the industry because I feel that it's that's going to bring in a lot more gen z towards the chemical industry because they are all nowadays startup minded startup minded means change makers they are driven they want to start from ground zero and that's a great those are great kind of individuals to have um i just want to make sure we are able to tap into that talent pool as well so that's a hope um that's one hope and i think for the planet i feel that we today are in this perfect world where every company has a net zero carbon goal, right? Every company has published a 2040, 2050. And I feel that we are in the driving seat to actually do our best and achieve that. So as a chemical industry, if we are able to um, drive that and truly make that happen um, and come 2020 and 2050, we are able to say the chemical industry is a carbon neutral industry or, you know, um, I think that would be that would be phenomenal. So um, yes, I know that BASF has been a leader in sustainability for quite some time. Working for eight years, I've seen the industry change uh, around sustainability as well. So initially, it was about us pushing sustainability topics constantly, and right now, I feel the market is ready to receive it. It's also there. Also, there's a push from both sides. So um, I think we are right now at a great time um, to make change and to contribute positively towards the planet. Great. The last question we have for you, Purna, as we kind of close out here, and we might have a tiny bit of time for a question or two from the audience if possible. But the last question we have for you is as we look forward towards our 2024 Women of the Year. So we're already thinking about, you know, next year. What would your ask or hope be for the women within our community and the industry? I think my one ask, I feel that as women, we are, we are asking ourselves the question, can I do this? Should I do this? Will I be able to do this? But I think that narrative has to change and we should be like, who's going to stop me from doing this, right? I think we are we all are go-getters and there's nothing in this world that a woman cannot do. Um, so we should all go for it and just change the way we look at problems um, and saying there's nothing that's uh, stopping us from doing that. So I think that narrative might, 
shift change is something I would love to see. Um, the second thing, what I would really like is, I do want this industry, women to kind of support each other. Having mentored a couple of uh, women, I also feel that I have also been a, a seen instances where, or examples of women not supporting women. I think this is the biggest elephant in the room and this needs to be addressed, right? And this really needs to stop. Um, so as women, I think we really need to go out of the way and support others in the room, support other women, stand up and speak up if there's an injustice happening to another woman in the room. Um, it's, you know, I've realized it's easier to speak, speak up if the injustice is happening towards someone else versus when it's happening for you, right? Because when it's you, you you give a second, you start doubting yourself, second guesses, but when it happens to someone else, it's just like much more easier to speak up. So I think totally women should um, speak up for each other in this industry and have each other's back. Um, and what I would love for it, for an award to be maybe like, which is the best industry for women to work in? And that award should come to chemical industry. Like, why don't we end in that note? Um, that the chemical industry should potentially get an award for being the best industry for women to work in because we got each other's back, right? Um, so, yeah. That's great. I don't have any other questions for you. I know we're kind of at the top yet uh, here. So maybe, Amelia, you kicked off uh, level setting our interview today on why Women of the Year is so important and why Prerna's contributions are so monumental. Maybe we have a closing comment really quickly here and we'll wrap up today's interview. Yeah, thank you so much, um, Prerna. It was wonderful to be here with you today and really get to hear a little bit more about all of the effort that you're putting into making our industry a better place. And on behalf of Women in Chemicals, I just want to say you are really such a badass woman and thank you so much for everything you're doing to uplift women to uplift our industry to make our planet a better place and we look forward to getting to see you in person hopefully soon and give you your award um and hopefully have you at our conference next year when we announce our next woman of the year and have you be a co-interviewer for that so thank you so much again. And it's such an honor to recognize you. And I look forward to getting to do that in person as well. Thank you, Amelia and Kylie. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the platform. It's been amazing. And looking forward to collaborating with you guys throughout the year and beyond. Thank you.